Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the 2023 edition of the Podcast of Champions. New year, same us. I'm David Woods, Brown Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the Podcast of Champions, where we talk all things Pac-12 football. We're going to put a bow Kind of a disappointing bow on the 2022 podcast of champions football season. No, the conference of champions football season. Uh, finishing up three and four of the bowl games, David. Uh, the seven Pac-12 teams that went improvement. 0-7 the previous two years go to three and four. That's a little better. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't a great uh, if Monday. You take, if you take, like, the leads that they had in the last minute or so of some of mm. these games... Uh, the Pac-12 did really well. The expected win rate for some of those games, yeah. <laughs> out of out of this world, was pretty high. Frankly, the scores. math would tell you that you that uh, that the Pac-12 did quite a bit better than three and three three and four or whatever it was. Right, uh, but it's not the only math that counts is those numbers on that scoreboard at the end, and uh, it wasn't a, a great finish. Oh, uh, but but, but one of us wins. finished well. I'm sorry, but one of us finished well. True. Yes, and that was that was a crazy one too. We'll get to that with our picks against the spread uh, and all of that. If you have any questions or comments for the show, podcast at uscfootball.com is not the email address. It's pack12podcast at gmail.com because I just did a Peristyle podcast right before this. Plus, David asked, when did you get in from the Cotton Bowl? This morning. So yeah, I flew in, got in late last night. And so boy, are your was, arms tired. I will make sure that we have the right uh, intro to this because we're doing this live simulcast yes david simulcast on our youtube channel so thanks to shout out to everyone that's in there uh watching us live if you're watching on youtube um later on appreciate that too on the replay we got to get up to a thousand subscribers uh on the youtube channel so share that hit the little bell button so you can get notifications when we're going live because we'll keep doing this we're gonna keep doing the off season we'll have an off season poc extravaganza of sorts 
And uh, yeah, but so make sure you check that out. And thank you for everyone that's watching us on YouTube. If you want to call or text us, you can send us a text or leave us a voicemail, 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pac12Podcast. And go to our website, Pac12Podcast.com. You can find all of our content. Most importantly, we do love when you leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You got that app? Give us a five stars. Talk some trash to us, whatever you want to do. And we love to read them on the air, no matter what you say about us, as long as it's a five-star. That's the most important thing. And we have two new five-star reviews. Okay. Uh, five stars. This is from Vishnu21386. Ryan should be ignored. I used to like both hosts of this podcast and thought they both had great takes. Something was revealed in last week, though, that makes me seriously doubt anything Ryan Abraham has to say from now on. Yes. He did good. not appreciate the masterpiece that is Andor. This horrific oh. take makes me think everyone should ignore everything he says from now on. If he makes a pick on a game, go the other way. He cannot be trusted. Um, interesting. So, okay, I liked Andor, mm-hmm. but I just was talked up that this was, this was like, you know, as good as Empire Strikes Back or something, and I didn't feel like that was the case. Like, I thought it was fine. Uh, it's very literally, very literally the best Star Wars property probably since the original trilogy. Okay. Um, so, yeah, best thing since Empire Strikes Back, not too hard to imagine. Uh, I truly do not understand what your complication with it could have been. However, you did describe the 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 one of the like best episodes in the entire show as yeah. some prison break I don't care about. Um, I did, that just seemed like out of nowhere. Like he's like looking around. He's like now you get put in some random prison, and there's like some you know. I was like, all right. I mean, I I don't know where that came from. I don't know what you know. I mean, maybe I'll go watch it again. I yeah, mean, I enjoyed it, but I liked like the Mandalorian and stuff. I like that stuff better. Maybe wow. I'm just more like connected to like the Boba Fett kind of characters and stuff. And See, I, you're actually the target for all the crap they've been putting out. Like you want just like Skywalker shit forever. Like you don't <laughs> care at all. You just want, I want the same characters doing the same stuff forever. I mean, this is like a prequel to a prequel, right? So it was like, there was one line in new hope where they talk about these Bothan spies. And then they, then do they make Rogue a movie one. on it. The yeah. movie was really good. I like, uh-huh. I like Rogue One. And now this is like, who was the guy that, that you know? But, but but the important thing about this show is that the character doesn't matter. Like, actually, the main character, Andor, is one of the least interesting characters in the show. Yes. It's all thematic. It's all, uh, it's all uh, uh, surrounded around this, like, theme of how do you fight back against an oppressive regime? How do you fight back against this sort of fascism? And, you know, who are these humans who are these fascists? Who are these efficient bureaucrats who, you know, make the the guts of that operation sing, uh, so to speak? That's the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so Andor himself, he doesn't really matter. It's It's much more about like, okay, well, what would this kind of fascism look like? And there's a lot of, you know, some commentary on uh, today's world as well. Oh, God. Yeah. See, that's, I mean, that's what I, I don't want that. It's from my really Star Wars. good. It's really goddamn good. Because you, you, it has commentary on today's world. Not just because, no, it's because like, it, it actually does it, it does it well. It does it really well. Okay. Whatever. All right. Well, uh, sorry. Stellan Skarsgård's character is out of this world. The speech where he's like, I burned my life. I, I do that like Johnny Moxon in Varsity Blues. Yes. Like, I don't want to burn my life. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's very good. Okay. Uh, then we got another five-star review. Oh, good. This is from uh, Alan underscore I. 
Five stars. Annoyingly entertaining. As a lifelong Trojan fan, it pains me to admit that I enjoy David Woods' cleverness and sharp wit. Going forward, I would appreciate it if David would conform to my projected stereotype of UCLA fans and alumni. Please do do my ego a favor and just be an insipid weirdo. Fight on. P.S. Utah fans might not be the most annoying fan base, but they're certainly the most insecure. In their heart of hearts, they must know they're a good but not great program. Okay, well, thanks for the five star review. And we have, we have, is it, when's the last time someone said something nice about you, David? Like, is it, is, it's, you know, I mean, it's a real honor. It's, it's been a while. Yep. Yep. Um, no, it's good. I, I, you deserve some praise every once in a while. I mean, not a lot, but every once no, in a while. No, no, no. Certainly something. No, it's, it's bad for me. Thank you for the reviews. We appreciate that. And I know we didn't take, uh, do a show last week because it was all the vacation stuff, but we got to get to, uh, the remaining five bowl games, and we'll talk a little Pac-12 news, answer some questions. Do want to thank our uh, sponsor, MyBookie. I hope you guys got to take advantage of the uh, 12 days of giveaways that MyBookie did that ended on uh, January 1st, but they still do their deposit bonus. If you want to get in there, use the promo code PAC12. You can get a deposit bonus up to $200, so go check that out. But uh, promo code PAC12 over at my bookie had a nice year there, um, which was nice and a lot of fun. Had a had a couple parlays, and uh, it was it was funny trying to decide because I wanted the bowl picks. I had to just basically go. I bet, went opposite just David just to see what he would you know to do. But I didn't do all my betting that way, so I did better on the betting. So the ones I agreed with you more. So I had a better like if I would have picked picked. Uh, that would have been better. So it was kind of a good week. There's for... nothing ever but excuses from you for why you lose this thing. Oh, That's exactly. The only thing I ever I've hear. only lost once. So like, You're like, I don't know oh, what... but my real picks, like the ones that I had in my heart of hearts. No, those were good. No, I, well, I did. I made money on, I mm-hmm. made money on my mm-hmm. bookie, which mm-hmm. is, uh, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So let's see. What do we want to, uh, get to? We, uh, yeah, three and four in the bowls. Like I said, uh, oh, and two in the New Year's six bowls. Um, you got USC and Utah didn't have a good showing on Monday on January 2nd, the New Year's, uh, Bulls. No, no. I, I turned the USC game off with about four minutes to go. They were up by 15. What are you talking about? You would have been, you would have been uh, happy if you just turned that off. And then the, uh, the, the short timers, the two LA schools, um, both with, uh, epic, uh, collapses, which, I'm not a big fan of that, like the FPI, whatever, like percentage to win thing. But uh, I think USC's was in the 99 something range, something like that. Uh, so you got we got those. So USC's a little bit different. Just uh, their post game win expectancy it was actually Tulane that was favored to win that game. Uh, but at one point, very late in the game, USC was favored to win that by 98. percent Right. UCLA's post game win expectancy, like meaning the underlying stats of the game taken as a whole at the end of the game, yeah. how often would you expect that team to win the game? It was ninety seven point seven percent. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we got that. But we got some good. There's some good. You get the Pacific Northwest. Uh good showing. Yep. The Ducks. Yep. The Huskies. Got high profile quarterbacks coming back all over the league. So we got some positive stuff, but you'd like to see the Pac twelve kind of end on a better note uh than it did. But three and four, like I said, better than 0 and seven. Um we do have some uh breaking news uh to get to and i didn't i forgot to grab a photo of this but uh dju dj ungulale i think you say is it. that what you're going with i'll go with that say it. uh transferring from clemson to the beeves how long have we talked david is 
All Oregon State needs needs is a quarterback. They got a quarterback. They've got one who started a lot of games uh, for a very good team. Um, now, do I think is he's it the right fit? Do I think he's good? That's mm. the question. I think there's a lot of talent there. Uh, I think he's still got a lot of uh, arm talent. He's still a good athlete. There's all of that still there. Uh, but this is going to be an excavation project for Jonathan Smith. You know, you got to find, uh, you know, got to find the good parts and uh, see if you can accentuate those. Um, he had a lot of really poor performances for Clemson in the last couple of years. It seemed like the longer he spent in that system, the worse he got. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe a change of scenery going to a more friendly. I mean, this is a quarterback friendly offense um, up in Oregon State. You know, they lean on the running game. Um, so there's not as many demands put on the quarterback. Um, and he has turned uh, guys who were certainly less talented than DJ into much better players than DJ has been in college. So yeah. I think it's a smart move for him. Um, go to a place where a guy has been very good at developing quarterbacks and even turning a guy like Gen- Ben Goldbranson into, you know, competent enough by the end of the year. True. Um, I think this could be a really good fit, and I'm I'm rooting for it to work out. Uh, I think it'd be great for DJ. You know, I, once a guy has like, you know, he was number one quarterback, I think, coming out of high school, that whole thing. And yes. he, his his star has has really fallen since then. Now it's like, well, you want to see him do well. Like you really want to see it work out for him because it's it's you don't want to root, you don't want to wish that much disappointment on anyone. Um, and right now, I think he's probably feeling quite a bit of that. So I'm hoping it works out. Um, Oregon State. I think a lot of us out there, if you're not like an Oregon fan, um, you, you you kind of root for them as like a secondary option a lot of times. So um, I think a lot of us are rooting for Oregon State. Yeah, and uh, just one one little. Side note there, the Orange Bowl, which was very, very orange with uh, Tennessee yeah. and Clemson. Um, I forget, was it Cole Klubnick or something like yeah, that? Yeah. The, the new uh, Clemson quarterback, like, he didn't look that good in that one either. So, you know, you lose your offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it, maybe it wasn't all DJ. You know, everyone thought, you know, thought the other, you know, Cole was going to be the savior, but he didn't look like a savior in the bowl game. So I don't know. So that's, uh, you go. You get a talented quarterback going to a very talented play caller and quarterback coach. Maybe it's going to be a good fit. But another high-profile name uh, in the Pac-12 as far as quarterbacks go. We got away from that for a little while. That was like kind of what all the Pac-12 was, and then sort of lost the quarterback thing too. And now getting it back. Yep. The transfer portal has been very helpful. Um, some of the big names that are coming in there. So uh, good on them. Another West Coast kid coming back. Home, I like that. And then uh, Colorado, we got to talk about the um, Colorado Buffalo. They're they're crouton, baby. Yeah, Dave put the notes in there. Um, The number two transfer class. Yeah, number two overall transfer class, number 23 overall class right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, yeah, Deion Sanders has made his initial impact. Um, and I don't think he's done. Um, I think there's more to come. But uh, Travis Hunter, uh, he made the – I think this was after we last recorded. Um, he made the uh, – I think they tried to put a little bit of disguise around it. And he talked about Georgia. He talked about USC. He talked about a couple other schools. But in the end, he was following Dion wherever he was going. Yep. Uh, he is an elite cornerback. Uh, everything I've ever heard about him and apparently what he did at Jackson State a little bit, uh, he would also be probably the number one receiver as well in his class. 
uh, elite playmaker, the likes of which Colorado hasn't had in forever. Um, but the the whole transfer class is is really impressive. I recommend taking a look at it uh, when you get a chance. They got an impact tight end. Um, they got a, they got obviously their starting quarterback for next year. They've got a, They've got Jimmy Horn, who's a elite receiver. Marshawn Nealand, who was a coveted edge rusher. Um, that transfer class immediately reshapes that roster. I think it's akin to, but probably a little bit better than what Arizona did last offseason in terms of reshaping the roster. Um, you know, I'd take Sanders over Delora at quarterback. Um, Travis Hunter is better than anything that Arizona brought in. So I think, you know, uh, you don't want to saddle them with too many expectations in year one, but I think Dion is going to welcome expectations. Yes, and he will. My guess is that they're going to do something very similar to what Arizona did this year, which is go from being absolutely moribund to very fun and interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, I think you need to hire someone like that. Um, you talked about maybe bringing in, a, you know, the Veer or something, you know, you want some, some weird yeah, yeah. offense or you get one of the best players in NFL history to recruit the hell out of the making job. a lot of noise at the FCS level, bring him in. He's on Aflac commercials with Nick Saban and uh, just absolutely have him crush it out on the recruiting trail. And they're doing that. So props uh, to the, the buffs because uh, we always root for the buffs and uh, now they're going to be relevant. Well, and it's not just transfers and it's not just like Jackson state guys too. They've also got three, four stars in the high school ranks uh, Dylan Edwards, an impact running back, uh, and then two four-star receivers, Amarian Miller and Adam Hopkins, uh, both out of the South. Um, if Dion is going to be able to recruit the South at Colorado, mm. that's going to be that's going to be dynamite because I think they've had to Colorado to secure players has had to recruit Texas a lot, and Texas gets pretty picked over with the number of people trying to go into Texas. If he has some sort of ability to pull guys consistently out of Louisiana, out of Georgia. And these are guys who are, you know, not not uncoveted. Uh, that's going to be huge. Yeah, I agree. Um, Deion Sanders uh, doing some – I have some pictures there. I should put some B-roll up there. But, yeah, uh, props to Colorado, props to Deion Sanders. It props like to me for putting in notes, all right? You, you put in a couple of notes, David. Like, you actually did I, You did a little bit of work. I know. Uh, randomly. How many people we got? Yeah, we got – like 47 people watch it, 49 people watch it. Hit smash that like button, people. Smash it. You got way too many people watching and not just hit your likes. computer screen. Eventually, like will come up. Just like start yeah, pounding yeah. on just it. Just like, hit it until it breaks and I'm eventually sure you, something good will happen. When your kids were little, they could like just hit the computer randomly and it would like erase files mm -hmm, and stuff. Mm -hmm, You're like, mm -hmm. I couldn't do that if I tried. And my kid comes and just boom, boom, boom. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about that. We got to talk about uh, these games. And going into this, we had. Um, we do our pick contest every year. Congrats. Hold on. Let me, uh, David got it, got me this year. It's rare, but he did. So good. To, Damn good, right. I did. Good for him. Um, yeah, he ends up finishing 56, 40 and two against the spread. I was 52, 44 and two. Um, the final, because I was down three games, I had to, I just picked opposite day for all five. Got really close to to winning because there was a game, you know, that yeah. flipped at the very uh -huh. end. Uh -huh. There sure and, was. Uh, <laughs> but I would have still not won the. Uh, uh, won no, the... you were mathematically eliminated after the first three of, right. the, of the weekend. Oh, after the first, the first two. two. First, the first two. two yeah. yeah. So the first two I lost, and then I got two of the last three. But um, yeah, so that was. But we had a lot of fun. We both were uh, above five hundred. 
we kind of do this for fun. Hopefully, you guys, you kind of followed along. I don't know why we put so much guys, stock in I went, I went 58% against the spread, I believe. I think that's what the grand total was. Not bad. Yeah. You make some money. Make some money. Make a little, make a little, little dough. Make a little yeah. cheddar. Um, yeah, you're good to do over there at my bookie. But it was a lot of fun. Hopefully, you guys were following along. We will do um, – we did our preseason pick. So, we'll do a show coming up where we kind of go through – how we did picking each team, where we were right, where we were wrong, things like that. Um, not just the record of we if we thought like a team was seven and four, I mean seven and five, and they end up seven and five, but we might have got half of the games wrong. They just won ones that you, we thought they were going to win or lost, whatever. So we'll kind of go over all that stuff in a future episode. We also have to talk about the recruiting classes, which I don't know if we'll maybe wait till after February after the whole portal stuff is done because. We've seen change teams change a lot um, as the portal stuff happens, so we'll kind of figure that out. But it'd be great to get like Brandon Huffman in, or or Greg Biggins, or Blair, or who you know any of those guys to come in and talk about the um, recruiting classes. I will be. I'm going to see Brandon. Uh, he's in uh, San Antonio right are you, now. Are you heading out? Not yet. I'm not going to San Antonio. You're going to Hawaii. I'm going to Hawaii. Chris Trevino is in uh, for my sites over in San Antonio, and you had the. Uh, the Under Armour one, two, and then the 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 one in San Antonio, the All American, and then Polynesian Bowl. I like to go to every year. I try to get David to come. You should definitely come. Is there, there's probably UCLA guys in it, right? I'm not coming. I know, but are there UCLA guys? In yeah, it? there. Are. Okay, so but I'm not coming. Yeah, you should you should go. I'm not going. You get to cover high school football no. in Hawaii. I'm not going. But Brandon's there. He he loves this trip, and uh, he's great to go. He remembers every like restaurant we've gone to, and um yeah he's just having a beer with brandon in hawaii is a special thing so you should go because it's a lot of fun i'm not going okay but i agree with you having a beer with brandon wherever you are is actually tremendous yeah you could be on top of a mountain in the middle of the snow yeah and it'd be a great experience um matthew matthew had a couple warm matthew had a couple comments one he pointed out um I hit my computer so hard a bell sound. Is that good for the YouTubes? Absolutely. Yes, I think that is good. Please continue. Um, he also pointed out that all four Power Five teams that uh, switched are switching conferences all lost in their bowl games. So Oklahoma, Texas, USC, and UCLA. Yeah, so the natural like, order did not like what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the college football gods uh, were not super happy. But let's go over uh, these bowl games. We have five games left uh, in the regular season. And first up, we had the number 15. Oregon Ducks. Uh, taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels. Oh, I got tar on my heels. I don't know. Uh, it's tough. Uh, this was a come-from-behind win. Uh, Oregon Which pulled is- it out 28-27. Uh, they were favored by 14.5 points in this one. I don't think the odds makers had built in the possibility that Bo Nix would still not be a hundred percent moving, but he was very clearly not a hundred percent moving. Um, it wasn't until very late in the game that he actually had like a single productive run and it was just to, um, keep a drive moving to the go ahead drive. Um, this was, uh, it was interesting because I think my feeling on it was Mac Brown was not prepared for the realities of PAC 12 football. Um, because you and I knew everyone knew, uh, kicking a field goal to go up by six with a few minutes to go. Uh, why? Why bother? What the hell? What's the point? Uh, Oregon's not going to go down and kick a field goal. They're going to no. go down and score a touchdown right now. Right. If they do anything, it'll be a touchdown. Yeah. Um, they either like trip over their own feet and you'll give up a safety or something. Well, and or I they'll thought, score a touchdown. I thought a mistake was on their third and thirteen. They dropped back for like kind of a. a, a th- they were trying to get the full th- thirteen on that one throw. 
And I think, you know, we've been out here in these streets. We understand Pac-12 football. You get the little bit there because you're going to have to go for go it for on it the anyway, fourth yeah. down. Um, and they didn't set themselves up with the ability to go for the fourth down. So then they kick the field goal. They go up by one. But at that point, you're like, oh, of course, Oregon's going to drive down the field and do this. And they did. And they took a good damn long while doing it, too. Yeah. It wasn't very quick. Um, they scored with just a little bit to go and pulled ahead by a point. And that's that's all she wrote. Um, the game itself, I mean, I think a healthy Bo Nix probably um, – I, th- I think Oregon would have scored a lot easier and yeah. a lot better. Um, it was just a matter of, you know, they were anticipate the odds makers, I think, were anticipating Nix being healthy. And he wasn't quite um, right, but you know, Bucky, I was anticipating Bu- him being healthy, and he was not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bucky Irving though was incredible. He's in this good. Game. He had he had some explosive runs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good performance for Oregon. Great to come back and and win it. Um, I thought, uh, you know, my man, my man, Land Danning managed the clock really well at the end. Um, Mac Brown did not, <laughs> like, did not manage that clock very well. Um, but, uh, yeah, good win. They go into the off season, 10 and three, uh, they gotta be happy with that. Given the injury to Nick's in the last few games, um, good season for, uh, for land Danning in his, in his first year at the helm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, I thought we would see a healthier sort of bow next and, you know, we know bowl games are fun, but they can be a crapshoot. You take a month off, you have like 85, like 18 to 22 year olds with a month off. Like who the mm-hmm. hell knows what's going to happen? Like there's a lot. Just think what happened any of our lives over that month. Like a whole bunch of kids doing the same thing. Um, but the, it was this was a you kind of we get caught up in the spreads and sometimes, but this was a, a big win. I think for a first year head coach, you get a victory over a power five program. Um you feel like sometimes you can build off of that. And it's not the bowl games don't always mean a lot. Like you're all oh, going to the offseason with a lot of momentum, or you're going to the offseason going to work harder because you lost you can always kind of spin it however you want but um i you feel like there's some disappointments in the season for sure for oregon but there was a lot of highlights and then this is this is one of them and i think you couple that with like really good recruiting and you're going to build some momentum for dan lanning going forward and uh, i feel like this is or lane danning um yeah i i this was like a feel good all around one you know and did do you care? Like they cared. Like you could tell that Oregon yeah. cared about. They this were locked game. in. Yeah, yeah. And it uh, was uh, it, it was a really good game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, no, you could tell that this meant something to them. That they were motivated in the proper way. It wasn't one of those lethargic performances that um, uh, we've grown used to seeing from Pac-12 teams in the lesser bowl games. Um, you know, this was this was a a, a fitting end of the season for them, and they get Bo Nix back next year. Yeah, and uh, they, I mean, I thought Oregon's offense did look good early. Uh, they weren't really stopped. They had missed a field goal. They just didn't have the consistency. Like yeah, this, then it kind of just fell off. This yeah. was an offense that was top five, um, and yeah. they, they just don't have it when they don't have a dual threat at quarterback. And then there is a factor, too, where um, Kenny Dillingham, you know, him, you know, not being uh, part of the staff and that whole thing. I mean, how much of an adjustment's going to be next year uh, with a new play caller and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Do you know, so Oregon... Uh, last three bowl games for the Ducks, not all land Danning, obviously one point wins. Damn crazy. Right. Um, was it the red box bowl, but then the, the Rose bowl I was at, uh, that they won by one and then winning this one by one, uh, pretty crazy, but that's better, you know, better than losing by one. It's certainly better than losing by one. Um, 
And we've, we've seen that happen. Uh, all right, let's go. Now, this one, I don't know how it turned out because we know the Pac-12 teams don't do well in the Alamo Bowl. We know that, you know, Washington, Texas is not going to work out very well, right? We, it's probably not going to be good. But we had Washington Huskies. <laughs> Taking on the Texas Longhorns, some sort of fucking deer. Um, <laughs> uh, so deer. <laughs> This so this final score is a little bit deceptive for me. Twenty seven twenty. Wasn't that close? Yeah, Washington had this one pretty much controlled from the second quarter on, um, and then Texas just kind of worked its way back in. They got some stops. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, but Washington had this one under control. Um, I mostly want to talk about Steve Sarkeesian because pregame, uh, dude. So I I anal- I watched this clip. I don't know an easy dozen times. So he's in the tunnel pregame, and one of the bull staff people or one of the TV people, nobody knows who, uh, puts his arm, put his puts his hand on his chest and gives him like a little light shove, like, "Hey, you know, you got you got to stand back a second because we got you know you got to clear the field or whatever." Doesn't matter. Um, and you can see Sark; he kind of backs up for a second, and then just knowing the psychology of that guy, he's just like, "I don't, I can't look like a, I can't look like a beta male." I got to scream at this dude now. And it's like so interesting to watch. There's so much psychology at play right there. Um, Like just this guy who's like kind of just a passive dude. And then he's like, no, no, I got to look. I got to look like I got to look like a football coach. So I'm going to scream at this guy right now. And it is such an overreaction to the situation because it's a way that like um, if you were like a true like just kind of a normal dickhead head coach, you would have been like, (laughs) don't touch me. Like something like that, right? But because he is so insecure in himself, it's just pure like fire at this guy, screaming at him in a way that like you wouldn't scream at anybody, not even players on your team when you're mad at them and you're like a a, you know a knucklehead head coach. It was so interesting, such insight into his psychology. Um, You knew at that point, no fucking way they're winning this game, none, (laughs) zero, zilch. Um, way too wound up. It's what we said before the game. Remember yeah. when we were previewing this game? We're like, he's gonna want this one so bad. He's right. gonna want this one so bad. It's his former team. He wants to show them something. He wants to win his ninth game. It's like Jaden Delora. We All this about stuff, it, right? Like Jaden Delora went yeah. to Washington State, and just way too tightly wound. Um, they lost. Uh, sad, sad. Uh, Washington though, eleven and two in Kalen DeBoer's first year. They are a loss to ASU. From being a friggin' playoff team uh, in his first year. Uh, Sky's the limit for them. Uh, Michael Penix, uh, he's going to be great next year. Ton of fun. uh, Good for them. And uh, beating Texas in the Alamo Bowl, that's a a road game. Good job. Yeah. uh, Props uh, to the Huskies and Kalen DeBoer. Like, turns out when you hire, like, a coach that's, like, good at stuff, like, I don't know, (laughs) offensing, you score points and, like, uh, do well. And... You don't have to be amazing. Like you don't have to have the best defense in the world. Like yeah, score more points on the other team. You're gonna win some games. That ASU one is still uh, very, very questionable. They started with a flea flicker in yep. this game. Uh, so tried to get a little razzle dazzle. Uh, Penix gets picked, and then uh, Washington blocks the punt for uh, right away for um, for Texas and. That kind of felt like a big play for me that there was like, all right, this is, you know, things are, you know, even if Washington makes a mistake, uh, they're going to be able to bounce back and, uh, and, and, and recover. And, you know, 
it looked like they were in control and, you know, Texas scored a little bit at the end. Okay, that's fine. But this was watching the game. You feel like, okay, Washington uh, is is going to win this game. And they were getting four points uh, in there. Um, Quinn Ewers was like, I don't know. He didn't look like the number one player in the country or anything. I mean, I, Penix probably not the best game, right, either. But, like, he's now the – he set the, what, the – the leading passer in the country, I believe. Yep. Um, so c- congrats for him. He'll be, you know, he puts up numbers like that again next year. He'll probably be in New York. So uh, he was a top 10 vote getter this year. Um, and you mentioned Sark and his former team. Uh, he's now 0-2 against the Huskies. Um, so he lost at USC where he got fired. Yep. And he lost this one. So, um, yeah. But I don't know. It's for Washington to have the kind of season they did, 4-8, and eight, to 11 wins. I mean, kudos. It's, uh, that's a lot. And I, you know, for Jen Cohen to like figure out, Hey, my Jimmy Lake thing, that was wrong. Yeah. Get off of that fast, get someone in here. That's good. And win right away. Like, I don't know if you could turn things around as fast as she did. Well, and I, I don't remember the coaching search that long, uh, that well, because I don't think it lasted very long. And I think they no. knew their guy. And I think a part of, you know, getting rid of Lake is, there's a hot coach on the market who's, you know, West region already. He's at Fresno State. Let's 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 get going. Let's get this done. Yeah. Um, and they did. Uh, and you got those two right. I took uh, Texas. Well, I took the opposite of you. This one, though, I definitely wanted Pitt from the very, <laughs> very beginning. This was not just going opposite you. This was I felt super strongly about. If you watch the game, you know why. Because there was no question who was going to win. <laughs> We have number 18. UCLA Bruins. In, so uh, the Pittsburgh Panthers won. I mean, I'm getting points with Pitt. Come on. That's all day, every won day. 137 to 35. Um, <laughs> this was one of the most absurd football games I think I've ever seen. So uh, UCLA. Um, mm-hmm. So, all right. Pittsburgh got their hands on five balls that were thrown, right? Pass defended, whatever. They intercepted four of those. So the rate at which you're supposed to do that, I think it's something like one in three. So they should have had one interception. Instead, they had four. So of the five times they touched the ball in the air, they got picks on four of them. Um, There were two balls that bounced off of UCLA receivers' hands into the waiting arms of a pit defender. There was another interception that was a legitimate one, and then there was the Ethan Garbers one late. On top of that, uh, there were three fumbles in this football game, two by Pitt, one by UCLA, all three recovered by Pitt. Mm. Uh, The turnover's luck was such that uh, (laughs) UCLA, so the the win expectancy, which I cited earlier, was 97.7%. 97.7% of the time, the game with an underlying stats of that game, UCLA wins. Gotcha. Um, What the margin of victory should have been according to that formula yeah should have been close to 16 points <laughs> so UCLA should have won they should have covered by about 12 points in this game yeah uh instead they lost um in hilarious fashion frankly um <laughs> the the pit field goal kicker uh pulled a um a cardi uh he was 5 for 5 and kicked the game winner um on the game winning drive UCLA drove the field with the backup quarterback Ethan Garbers um to go ahead 
Um, they were up 35-34 with 30, uh, 34 seconds to go. Oh, now again, we've 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 over, right? we've run a lot of Pac-12 reps here on this show. We knew it wasn't over, <laughs> and of course, Pitt drives down the field in three plays. At one point, one of the Murphy twins, um, like, sort of launched himself like a torpedo at the quarterback, but didn't use any of you know these appendages, the ones that are on your shoulders. What are they called again? The arms. Your arms, right, right, right. <laughs> he didn't want to use those. He just wanted to see how hard he could hit him while he maintained. Um, you know, vertical integrity. And uh, so the quarterback, the backup quarterback, Nick Patty, uh, ran enough to get them into field goal range. Um, if they just brought him down prior to the first down marker, more than likely UCLA wins the game. So yeah. if, if, again, if he used his arm appendages, if he used those things attached to the sides of his body, uh, <laughs> likely UCLA wins the game. Uh, but it shouldn't have been that close. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson finished with three picks. Uh, again, two of them were off the hands of his receivers into the waiting arms of pit defenders who were doing nothing on the play. They just happened to be right there waiting for an interception. Um, I thought going into the game, Pitt was very bad and depleted. There was nothing about this game that changed my mind, um, but it was pure gong show from UCLA. Just knowing that Keaton Slovis wasn't there, you figure they're going to be good. <laughs> uh, and on top of the fumbled kickoff, and I should note this, so there were high wins in this game. So that ah. led it helped lead to the fumbled kickoff. But then on the next kickoff for Pittsburgh, they kick it. And UCLA is clearly like, oh, this one's sailing into the end zone. We're just going to let it go. But it dies. Like, it just dies in the air at the five, and nobody picks it up. Nobody <laughs> grabs it. And so they have to, like, really quickly get over there. Um, nobody caught it. Uh, but then Ethan Garbers, when he came in for an injured Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he had to start his first drive from inside his own five. Hmm. Um, again, not ideal. Very stupid game. Um, extremely, extremely unfun for UCLA fans. I think for anyone watching who had no vested interest in it, it was extremely enjoyable because it was very stupid. Yeah. Uh, El Paso, like, there's some weird weather. It's like, have you ever, you've been there? Have you been to El Paso? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You fly in and it's like, I remember flying in and it's like, there's tumbleweeds and, and you look like, it feels like you're crash landing because there's nothing. It's like desert or whatever and scrub brush and then you land and there's like oh there's airport there's the city and all that kind of stuff um yeah uh la schools aren't very good at the uh the kickoff return kind of stuff um both had some some issues there uh this is this common theme david if if ucla has to pass the ball more they're not as good they're 0 four when they do run the ball more they're nine and oh on season um, DTR finishes 22 yards short of Cade McNown's career passing record, 10,708 passing yards. He could have got that. Um, he did come out late in the game. Mm -hmm. Was this a, was he hurt? Was it like they just put garbage in? Like what was going on? Cause he had thrown all the picks, but you know, like you said, none of them not, aren't, aren't all were his fault, but what was going on there late in the game? Uh, he was hurt. Um, I don't know what was the injury um it looked like his lower back but he was hurt um so it wasn't performance related again two of those interceptions were just pure fluke stuff i mean yeah. one of them was a very similar throw to the usc one where it was a dropping defensive end he just didn't see him underneath the coverage yeah um but the other two were just i mean the receivers should make the catch and even if they don't it should just be something that falls to the ground not a not a pick um so it wasn't performance related he wasn't like his best but he wasn't that bad um 
And then Ethan Garbers came in and was really shaky on his first two drives, but then led the uh, potential, the, the go-ahead drive. Um, Zach Charbonnet was not available. I was going to say. Uh, he, he, he was a late scratch. Uh, we had heard the day before that he was more than likely going to play, but then oh. I think the day of decided against it. Interesting. Um, okay. But Pitt, like, whatever. Who gives a shit? Pitt was down everybody. They they were down a defensive tackle. They were down a starting defensive end. They were down their starting quarterback. They were down the starting running back. They were down two starting offensive tackles. They were down everybody. They were down a starting safety. And they won. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Bowl games are nuts. Um, all right. Let's go to the two New Year's Six Bowls. I just got back from Dallas on this one. Uh, number 10, USC Trojans. And they were taking on the two-lane green wave? Green wave. I don't think we're green. Did you like that? Yeah, that was good. Um, so this was, I mean, uh, obviously, USC uh, had a blowout going. Uh, nothing too interesting there at the, oh, oh, shit. I just caught up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I had a really delayed feed. So <laughs> USC had a lead, 45-30. With, with like 4.30 left. With four minutes to go, right? A little over, like 4.30, I think. Yeah. Um, so you would think they got this one. Even if they allow Tulane to score right there, they're going to be able to go ahead and drive down the field again. So, all right, so Tulane scores. Okay, whatever. No big deal, right? But it was here's a long, methodical 17-second drive. <laughs> yeah. No, here's where <laughs> things get stupid, because Willie Fritz, he understood the only way to beat USC is to be a blessed idiot. So what does he not do on that drive? He doesn't go for two. And what does uh, he not do on the kickoff? He does an onside kick. No, he kicks deep down 45-37 with just under four minutes to go at that point. He kicks deep. Yeah. And is it Mario Williams? It was Mario Williams. Mario yeah. Williams chilling back there. He's Hadn't, like, you know what? Wasn't I'm, the normal kickoff returner. Gonna, I'm going to fair catch this one. We're not going to get stupid. We're not going to get silly. And instead of catching it, he stands at the one-yard line and um, proceeds to rugby pitch it out of bounds. Uh, I'm assuming he was just like a flashback memory to playing rugby or something at some point in his I don't past. know. But that's exactly what it is. The I've been calling for them to fair catch the whole time. At least he tried to fair he catch. He tried to. Uh, but and, if and, you're standing next to the sideline, just let it bounce and go. And he rugby pitches it out of bounds. Yeah. So it's at the one. And so you're thinking, oh, okay, well, they maybe won't score here, but at least... At least Tulane still has to go for two. You know, USC's run game has been pretty good just kind of consistently throughout the year. They haven't actually utilized it enough, so they should be able to, you know, get get five, ten yards and then and then punt it away, right? Yeah. Um, so they, they go on first down, and, and they get no gain, right? Tulane stuffs it. But certainly a defense uh, – uh, what is this? Is it Mac? What the fuck are they? Sunbelt? Uh, American Athletic American, uh, certainly an American defensive line, isn't going to be able to do that twice in a row. And they weren't. They weren't able to just purely stuff them twice in a row. No, on the second one, they knife into the backfield and get a safety. Yeah. And at that point, you knew the game was over. 100%. It's just a question of how how this is going to break down. Yes. But it was 45-39, and USC has to kick it away. So the only question is, is Tulane going to be stupid enough to score quickly here? Right, because one way or another they're scoring. I tweeted like, "Will Caleb Williams have en- something like Caleb- will he have enough time to for the game winning field goal drive after Tulane scores?" Like I just tweeted, assuming Correct. Tulane's going to score, but they and, used up all the clock. And then yeah. Willie Fritz calls the most bizarre, like most bizarre drive ever. Again, it's the Kyle Whittingham blessed idiot. 
because not calling timeouts at the right time, screwing up when they're going to call them, the whole thing. They have to convert a couple of fourth downs on the way, a fourth and ten at one point. Um, And then they drive it down. First, there's – so they get it down to like the three or something. And then there's the most obvious targeting uh, I've ever seen in a football game that is not called targeting. I don't give a shit what the technicalities of the rule are. If both players walk away from the hit that is helmet on helmet yeah. concussed, there should be a targeting call or do away with the rule. Yeah. Like one or the other. But if both guys walk away where they can't actually walk away and they need to be helped off the field because you hit each other so hard in the head, uh, that should be targeting. Um, that's it. Um, Fair. And so instead, it's not, but it's still at the three. And then Tulane punches it in with mere seconds left on the clock. Uh, USC then has a couple of very horrible plays from the 10 yard line. Because uh, well, they, again, didn't field the kickoff correctly and had to start at their 11. Like, after. Oh, absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. No, and they it, it, just craziness. Um, and Caleb Williams was really off on the first throw. The funny thing about that first throw is if he hadn't been really off on it, they would have been. Midfieldish, forty-five yard line or so, uh, with a, you know a decent enough chance at the hail mary. Yeah, um, crazy. The uh, did you like? And I, I liked this, everything about this game. But ask me exactly what I liked. And five something minutes left, mm-hmm. and I think USC got maybe tackle for a loss. They had the ball like near midfield. It's like it's second, maybe eleven or twelve second. And Willie Fritz calls his first timeout um, with over five minutes left in the game realizing that this is our best chance to get a stop. Yeah. And then they're using their timeouts and, uh, and USC end up kicking a field goal on that drive. They kind of got a little conservative or whatever, but did you like them using a timeouts that early? I think uh, they had to, I think okay. they had to, I think at that point, cause they're Cause thinking, that was advanced. That's like to use timeouts that early is more of a new thing. Not, you know, you were talking about, you should have went for two early. You yeah. should have onside kick, but to so call a timeout that the, early in the e, game, e, even you the don't go, see that not going for two, it's not that stupid because at that point in the game, you also need to be cognizant of morale. Yeah. And if you don't get the two, you're at minus nine, and everyone who do, can do math is like, no, we lost the game. Yeah, and so you might lose the team. So you keep it alive. It's a little bit earlier in the game where I would automatically go for two. Like if there are six minutes to go and you're down by uh, potentially seven or eight, I go for the two then. But if it's only whatever it was, four, three, three and a half minutes to go, I think you've got to, um, you got to maintain the uh, morale of the team a little bit. Yeah. I actually don't think he managed it that poorly. I thought his clock management on the final drive was a little bit questionable, but some of that was his quarterback being extremely shaky. Yeah. Um, And that was the thing is, USC actually had, like, I won't say a great game plan, but they, they managed that quarterback pretty well. He he did, every time he completed it, he threw like a, a it was like the ball went for like 50 he yards. Was, he was 8 of 18 for 234. <laughs> this is Michael Pratt. Yeah. 8 of 18, 234 yards. So this is like 29 point something yards per per completion, like almost 30 yards every time he completes the ball. But the thing is, the pass rush was disrupting him at different points. It's yeah. just um, everything else is bad about USC's defense. The only thing, the only good thing is Tuli Tuli Pelotu. That's it. And he didn't do much until the very end of the yeah. game in this one. Makai um, Blackman's been good. 
You, you talk about like I remember when you said like Colorado doesn't have playmakers. Like Gonzalez goes to yep. um, Oregon. He has a great season. Makai Blackman has a great season. Brendan Rice goes off on this game. Six catches for 174 yards, two touchdowns, some highlight plays. He mossed a couple guys. So those those former buffs did pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> they sure did for the better teams. Um, Caleb Williams had a, he had a bunch of guys drop balls. He threw for 462 yards. He was great. He was great in this game. He could have been 500 easy. Five touchdowns. He had the one pick. Brendan Rice had a really nice game. Rice was great. Taj Washington had a good game. Uh, Austin Jones really couldn't get much going. They you know they were out two of their best offensive linemen, but I thought the offensive line was okay. Relique Brown played one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. He I, runs sideways. Yeah, and I don't know at what point he was going to realize, if ever, that uh, Tulane's got some fast players and they're going to – they're going to run right with you right to the sideline every single time. But yeah. it happened over and over and over again. And I, th- I thought, like, Tulane, if you – I did a lot of advanced stats. Like, Tulane had a really good offense, defense. Like, they were just a good, well-coached team. They did well. Uh, you know, best group of five team. They tackled USC really well. USC just was like – but, they, you know, USC held the ball for 40 minutes versus 20 in this game. Uh, Tulane averaged over 10 yards a play. I mean, insane kind of numbers. No, it was interesting because I thought it was... Way more plays, like... USC, the way they played in this, had the profile of the team that was trying to steal one, you know? Main, dominate, like... Yeah, their top, opening drive was nine minutes long. 17-play, yeah. nine-minute drive. Well, and I, I walked away from that being like, that was not a good drive for USC. That's not the way they want to be. They had to convert, like, a bunch of yeah. third downs and a fourth down. That's yeah. not... And I, I walked away like, that's harder than it should have been. And... From then on, it wasn't that hard, um, but that first drive was really hard for USC. Like they had to really work for yeah. it. USC scored a lot of points, but Tulane made them work for it. USC didn't make Tulane work for anything. I mean, yeah. this this defense started off pretty good, and they were statistically and like towards the end of the season, you know, even you know beating UCLA, but giving up in the forties. You get ninety two points, I think, over the last two games. Pretty crazy, but they, there was no resistance whatsoever, um, and. Man, yeah, to have uh, Tajay Spears, we knew he was going to be. I, you know, I tweeted before he's going to have a big game. Seventeen, uh, seventeen rushes for two hundred five yards, four touchdowns. Yeah, four touchdowns. I mean, that kind of stuff is just like they were so good on offense and so bad on special teams and defense. Uh, I just don't know what you say. You're just like, yep, you're really good on offense and you really sucked in the other two aspects of the game. But yeah, one of those weird ones. But yeah, that was a. Uh, that was a crazy one. And then uh, to cap it off, it was a weird day of football. We really thought I, – I picked against you, thought this one was going to be wrong for sure, but I ended up getting it right. We had the number eight. Utah Utes. Taking on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, this one was just disappointing. Um, because yeah. it it had the feel of a game that was going to be close, it was going to be good, and then Cam Rising goes down with an injury, potentially a serious one to his leg, um, and from then on, it was just all Penn State. Uh, you know, Utah was, I think at that point, down 21-14, uh, with Utah driving a little bit, and then Cam Rising goes down, Bryson Barnes comes in, and I think two plays later, he throws a pick. Um, you know, and that's that's unfortunate, because I think... You know, it was it was certainly more of a game early than uh, you thought. And Cam Rising wasn't playing well. Um, he threw a pick early. He was, I think, he finished eight of twenty-one. Um, but they had it at fourteen, fourteen at halftime, um, and there was certainly 
uh, potential for this one to get fun and good in the second half, and then it just didn't. Um, I was impressed by Penn State. I was impressed by their athleticism. I thought they had a lot of speed on the field um, on both sides of the ball. Um, and they, you know, outclassed Utah once, um, once rising went out, but it was just kind of unfortunate. Um, you know, you want to see, uh, starting quarterbacks play in these games and play well and, and rising just wasn't yeah. able to after the third quarter. It's weird. Cause like towards the end of the season, like sometimes you're like, Oh, Bo Nix looks pretty good. And then he's like, Oh, he doesn't look the same. And like Cam rising, we saw him in Pac-12 championship game. He looked fine, you know, and. I don't know. It just wasn't as good in this one early on. And I think it hurts morale when he's out, but it definitely hurt not to have like guys like Dalton Kincaid out there too. But um, yeah, once he went down, it just seemed to be a lost cause and they didn't play. They played Bryson Barnes, right? They didn't play the, yeah, it was just Bryson Barnes the freshman at all, which you thought maybe you would do that. And you talk about Quinton Jackson was out there just playing running back. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> Utah got a garbage touchdown. This was 35-14. Um, yeah, it's just kind of – it just was a little sort of disappointing. Yeah, it was and, anticlimactic um, because it was a good game and then it wasn't. Right. And, uh, I mean, it matters, you know. And I, I know there was USC fans, like, tweeting at me, like, you know, Utah was bitching about, you know, USC's quarterback got hurt in the championship game and they were all upset. Like, that doesn't matter. Well, it matters. You saw it. I mean, Utah – you know, Cam Rising going down, it was a different team, even though he wasn't playing that well. Um, he's going to come back, right? Is that the... Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, yeah. uh, you know what's weird? What? So, Kyle Whittingham is 11-5 and five in bowl games, but he's lost four in a row. So, remember, was it like, was he, I think it was like 10-0 and 0 at one point or something. Yeah. And it was like 11-1, and 1, and now it's... Uh, well, the competition has certainly risen. Because they're getting into better bowl games. They're, they're getting better, yeah, better bowl games and stuff. Um, and this was the first time all year they haven't scored in the third quarter. But that's when uh, rising. Yeah, it's just it's hard down. to take too much from it when you know you lose a guy that early. It's one thing to have a backup come in and play like two drives at the end, but it's another thing to have him try to do right. That was the full, full, right? full quarter and a half against a you know a top tier opponent. Yeah. Um, I, this was one of those where Utah had just made progress, right? Like it was like win the division, win the, uh, win the conference, like break through and go to the Rose Bowl and be this close to beating, you know, Ohio State. I really did feel, even though I picked Penn State, I really did feel that this was going to be, Utah was going to like, yeah. I thought they would roll in this game, to be honest. Like I just really felt like they were going to play well. And uh, no Clark Phillips. Yeah. Um, I think that was a big deal, but, uh, we'll see. I mean, so what do you like, look at Utah's season. Like they wouldn't have made the Pac-12 championship game except for the change rules, mm -hmm. but you won the Pac-12. So that's gotta be a success. Right. But is it like we had really high expectations for this Utah team? Yeah, of course it's a success. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, they, I think, um, you know, they have. Three losses in the regular season. I think the Florida loss was a slight disappointment. Yep. Um, and the, I think for Utah fans, I mean, sure, you're hoping to make it to a playoff, but I think winning the conference and making the Rose Bowl is something that, like, Utah fans, that was a pipe dream six years ago, seven years ago. True. And now it's something they've done in back-to-back -back years. Uh, no, I don't think they've reached the point where that's a disappointment. Um 
I don't know that any program in the league is saddled with those expectations except for USC. Um, I mean, I think Oregon maybe to a slight extent, but I think everyone else, year in, year out, do what Utah does. I think the fan base would be stoked. Yeah. Um, and I think Utah should be. Um, they've got, we've been saying it for years, but it just, it holds even more true. They're not just the most consistent program in the league, but they're the best. Um, and until somebody unseats them, they will be the best. Um, to do what they do with the talent level they have is extraordinary. Um, and yes, he's a blessed idiot, but he's also <laughs> a fucking great coach, um, yeah. Kyle Whittingham. So, uh, yeah, I mean, disappointing, but again, this was a, this was a, this was a one score game with Utah driving when Cam Rising hurt his leg. Who knows what would have happened? And if they'd, if they'd, you know, if, if his leg stays healthy, do they win that game? And if they win that game, how does the narrative change? So I don't think you can pin too much on it. They had a very successful year. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our, uh, that was our Pac 12 roundup. So I didn't uh, play that one earlier. Um, Let's take a quick break. We don't have that many questions. We'll come back. If you have any questions in the chat, if you're watching live, uh, put them in there. We'll try to answer them. But back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Here we are. We had three bowl champions mm-hmm. in the Pac-12. That's not bad. Is that what we call them? They're bowl champions. Mm. Some kind of bowl. Yep. Okay. Want a bowl. Okay. Championing it up. Uh, what do we got for questions here? I think this one, I think we're starting with Mike. Question for Dave. Okay. Is that right? Uh, UCLA questions for Dave. I don't remember when we recorded last, but I think this is the the latest or the... Sure, sure. uh, Last year after the LSU game, you were fully on board the chip train, only to jump off by the end of the year. Same thing this year. We beat Utah. Then after Arizona, you were done with them. With Dante Moore on board, are you rolling with the bamboo for good? Or is he an ASU a loss away from going back to the dumpster? Clearly written before the pit game. (laughs) Hmm. Um, 
Look, I, I think there's um, some other things going on with UCLA right now that have allowed the uh, Dante Moore recruitment, have allowed some changes in the recruiting structure. Okay. Um, I, and I think those are um, independent of who the head coach is okay. uh, to an extent. So I don't know. I mean, I think uh, – so here's the thing. I don't think realistically you is going to get rid of him. So it's okay. a matter of determining – can he get it done with what he has? And right now he needs to make a change at defensive coordinator. He needs to make big changes on his defensive staff. And he needs to go out and get, I won't say an entirely new defense in the transfer portal, but at least probably four or five starters. Um, that's a tall order. He's got a lot to do. Um, and I think if you're going to go into the Big Ten with him, you have to feel comfortable in his ability to do that year in and year out. Okay. Uh, so I think it's undecided. Um, if I, if I was the one wielding the magic wand that is firing and hiring coaches, he would have already been gone, uh, a long time ago. Um, because I don't think you give, um, I don't think in modern college football, you can give as many years as he's gotten, um, to get this right. Uh, but it is trending in a slightly more positive direction, right? They went eight and four, they went nine and three. Okay. Two easy schedules. Sure. But Okay. Uh, and now if he can get some defense, uh, you'll have a new quarterback next year, but if you can get some defense potential to do a pretty good, have a pretty good record again next year. Cause the schedule is not very hard. Um, so are they going to elevate Clancy Pendergast? Is he going to take over the defense? Or? But that's what I'm saying is if it's, if it's another, like just kind of a retread as your defensive coordinator, uh, then what are you doing here? Yeah. Um, so they need to go out and hire a, a big time defensive coordinator. And they need to replace half the defense. And not – those guys didn't graduate. They just need to upgrade. Yeah. They've got a lot of uh, Mountain West-level talent in the defense, and that just needs to change. Um, and I'm sure the same is similar for USC. Um, slightly different set of expectations, but um, you know that defense and that defensive coordinator, I'm sure, is very embattled right now. So. Very. Yes, there's a lot of talk about that. By the way, did you uh, – you're a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup guy? Uh, yeah, from time to time. Okay. I I brought you back some. Oh, thank you. There's like there's a little cup over there. Did oh, you see thank those? you. Yeah, yeah, I see him. Uh, but so you you, you haven't covered a bowl game in a long time. Uh, no, I haven't covered a bowl game since uh, the 2015 San Francisco, whatever it was called then bowl. All right. Well, if UCLA goes to the Cotton Bowl, I'm going to highly recommend you going to cover it. They treat the media very very well. Oh, they they only made you wait 50 minutes for the press conference that one day. Uh, that was the one day, but that was that was USC. That wasn't the the Cotton Bowl people. They, there's the hospitality suite in there. I'm playing like video games, playing pool. Oh, didn't uh, didn't uh, Lincoln Rally go yellow bellied coward at the end of the game and uh, not uh, not take any more than like three questions? Well, I don't know who had was controlling that, but there was uh, a pool. We weren't allowed to shoot video of the press conference, and it was. Um, yeah, so and there was only like three questions at the end for Lincoln Riley. So that was a little dis discourage discouraging. I'm just talking about the free beer, the free gourmet food. We had brisket, all kinds of stuff. It was great. Dave. Have you covered the Sun Bowl? Uh no. The Sun Bowl hospitality is out of control. Nice. There's free beer, there's free liquor, it's free wine, there's all kinds of stuff. It's just in El Paso, so people give it a bad name. Oh yeah. I would love to do that, but they when they, they, you know, covering the Pac-12 championship game and we had, you know, we're in Allegiant Stadium. We have like these 
terrible burgers. Like that's what you get. And it was the same thing last there, year. There isn't a single uh, California footprint bowl game worth its salt. All of them. They're horrible to the media. Yeah. but um, And Vegas sucks too. No, Texas. Texas, they do it right. It was it was amazing, and uh, those so they were doing contests. I like they had a media Olympics. I got I uh, was doing the cornhole, and I won a big uh, cooler. And then uh, I guessed the number of Reese's peanut butter cups in a jar, and I won like uh, a tumbler, and I like like literally three hundred of those little Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> They're like I win the thing, I'm like oh that's cool, and then they bring the jar over that you had to guess. It was two hundred eighty five of them. And they're like, oh, by the way, you get all these too. I'm like, what am I going to do with all this stuff? Like, I had to like, you had to fry it back. back. Yeah. And then talking to like, um, they take care of the players. Like, the players get a duffel bag at the end because they get stuff in their room like every day. Uh, The Cotton Bowl, they, it's like, they treat it like it's the national championship. And they had this huge media room and there was like no national media there. It was like just all like kind of local people. Uh, But it's really, but I loved it. It was great. I'm very happy for you. Yeah. Um, all right, next up, we've got Meat from Ryan. Meat, okay. Dear Dave and Ryan, I love you guys. Oh. Congrats to Oregon on another great class. Please help me understand Coach Meat. He has had a decade plus of being a pretty awful coach, but even with all of those data points, he manages to be a fantastic recruiter. Maybe I'm wrong, but this perspective seems to be fairly widely shared. I can accept that these kids are young and dumb, but are their parents and coaches that dumb too? How does he and other coaches with similar reputations and track record do it? God bless you both. Ryan. First, uh, I think it's very, very difficult to assess um, quality of assistant coaches based on individual anecdotes because for every whatever guy you didn't think improved under meat, there's also Fabian Moreau who went from a guy who had never played cornerback before in his life, I think, heading into college to uh, an NFL player. Now, do you attribute that to Meat? If you don't, then are you operating Demetrius with some... Martin, if you don't know who Coach Meat is. Right. Uh, it depends on what level of bias you're operating with, um, is my point there. Um, because I think he's a decent enough defensive backs coach. Um, I think a lot of UCLA fans have a negative impression of him because of the overall defensive strategy. Uh, which had them not looking back for the ball, you know, playing the receiver. But some of that is like a well-learned strategy. You don't always look back for the ball because that's how you get beat. Um, But anyway, uh, that being said, recruiting is not much about, oh, I'm going to coach you up. Me, I'm the guy. It's relationships. The whole relationship. Uh, Yeah, Demetrius Martin has great relationships with a ton of SoCal, I mean, that's where his bread and butter is uh, in SoCal uh, with basically every high school coach in the area. Uh, he grew up with some of them. He went to Muir, I think, in Pasadena. Yeah. Um, he's got a ton of connections in the area. He's a real relationship builder. He doesn't just recruit his position. He recruits a lot of other positions as well. He's the guy who brought five-star Ellis McCarthy, who didn't turn out to be very good, but brought him to UCLA. Yep. Um, really dynamic recruiter. Can't say enough about him, and I think he's a fine enough coach. I, I, I actually, I always thought that was a little bit um, uh, wrong. Uh, the way he got kind of thrown under the bus because Jim Mora was a defensive backs guy, and he was also had a hand in what of kind that. of defensive strategy they had. Yeah, it's like you, you got a great politician that's good at getting elected. Doesn't mean he's a great leader, you know, a uh, great maker of policy or anything. It's more about those relationships and uh you know that recruiting is a big part of that you just see it all the time um 
All right, we have, let me put up a couple of these uh, comments, questions. David on uh, YouTube says, who's your pick for conference champions in 2023? Well, t- the problem is we don't know what – there's no divisions. We have to do the schedule stuff. We have to like yeah. – w- before we get into that, we have to like lock into the schedule. I think there's like a few teams who are going to be in the conversation, obviously. USC, Washington, uh, Oregon. Utah. Utah. I mean – Can't leave out Utah. Same either. basic teams that are always in it. And, you know – UCLA. Well, they're going to be rebuilding a little bit because they're going to have a new quarterback. Um, but Oregon the, State, the, the four teams we just mentioned, they're probably all going to have new the same quarterbacks. And Oregon right. State is, yeah, they're they should be in that conversation now, and they've got a real talent at quarterback that they could turn into a real good player. Yeah, uh, Brian wants to know when does Grinch go to LAX? So he's talking about Alex Grinch, USC's uh, defensive coordinator. They already they flew in afterwards, uh, so he was already there. Um, Lincoln Riley was asked about his future and it was just, he talked about, he's, you know, 15 minutes after the game, we're not going to, they're going to deep dive in the coming weeks. So I don't know if they're going to make a move and then I'll do one last one and we'll go back to the emails. Um, uh, West Texas, Mike, when USC kicked the field goal on fourth and four to go up just 15 with four thirty to go in the fourth quarter, I would have went for it. Uh, what says you David Woods? I think you'd say, of course. Yeah, I was expecting them to do it. I was expecting them to go for it. It was uh, fourth and four at the Tulane 26 with 430 to go. Uh, you have an opportunity to finish the game right there with your offense on the field. Instead, they left the door open. Um, 15 points isn't uh, – for the purposes of end game, it's not – It's significant super- more than 12. I mean, that's, that's a big change. 12 to 15 is a big change. It's a big change, but it's not – it doesn't change the overall math. They still have to score twice to get it into tie or win. Two scenarios. touchdowns, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they had to score twice to do it at twelve points too. And they had to be both touchdowns at twelve points. Um, if you get those five yards right there, if you convert the fourth and four, you're ending the game um, because you're going to force them to use all of the remaining timeouts, and you you preserve your touchdown options. And if you if you score a touchdown there, the game is absolutely 100% over. Right. Um, so I thought it was a mistake. Uh, and with the way their offense was rolling, absolutely a mistake. Okay. Uh, do you want to grab a next Yeah, yeah I'll do uh, – this is uh, John and Brea. Okay. Dear Zodiac Killer, hi, Ryan and Dave. Happy b- holidays to you both. Could you do me a favor and please pass along the following message to the Zodiac Killer? Uh, dear Zodiac Killer, as you take down the black and white photos of David Shaw and the Stanford tree you developed in your bathroom darkroom and taped all over your apartment walls, and as you consider what Pac-12 team deserves your unparalleled passion and intense focus, I encourage you to jump on the University of Arizona freight train as it's about to pull out of the station. Here are three points for you to consider. One, we just signed the number 43 recruiting class in the country. Half of the class is from California, which means the Golden State recruiting pipeline is open and flowing directly to the old Pueblo. Nice. Two, we have an inspiring slogan. Bear down, the phrase delivered by Bird Button Salmon on his deathbed in 1926, has become one of the greatest two-word verb preposition slogans in all of college athletics. Yes, we are the Wildcats, but everyone knows that what Button meant. Uh, he was the Tim Tebow of the 20s, and now there is a bronze bust of Button outside the football facilities pretty close to the stadium. Three, Jedfish wears a visor, which is generally not recommended for sun protection in the Sonoran Desert. <laughs> but our leader is fearless, and his toughness and the example he sets is what is transforming the culture on the field, in the locker room, and throughout the entire U of A community. 
Coach Fish is relentlessly positive and suggested that a jump from five wins this season to nine wins next season is a possibility. And as Coach Fish vowed at his signing day press conference, the build will never stop. Join us, Zodiac Killer. Come to the desert. It's no longer just a place for people to move if they have asthma. The Painted <laughs> Desert is a place to find redemption and start fresh. Bear down, John and Brea. He should be doing marketing materials for Arizona. I think so. He went to Arizona State, too. So That's really funny. Yeah. John's great. Um, thanks, John. And so you like the, the message to the Zodiac Killer? We'll see if we hear from him. Yeah, hopefully we will. Haven't heard from him a while. Hopefully we'll, we'll get something with, like, magazine cutout letters on a white yes. paper. Oh, that'd be great. Yes. We'll give, uh, we'll give him uh, your mailing address. Yes, so that'd be great. <laughs> How loud will it get? This is Frank in Sacramento. Uh, will a chance to fire Alex Gritz be as loud as the chance were to fire Clay Helton? In other words, will Carol Fult, that's the USC president, be slammed every time she says the slightest thing on Instagram? They did, uh, USC did have to kind of shut off a lot of their social media <laughs> comments because of the, like, basically, yeah, like the president would tweet like, hey, th- we won this grant for the million dollars to, like, fight cancer or something and everyone would be like fire clay Hilton. and so they had to like stop commenting on their things i don't think it will get to that the the defensive coordinator will not be uh the the president of the university probably won't be inundated with requests to fire the defensive coordinator but who to mind it i don't know this has got to be one of the worst usc defenses ever so last year statistically it might have been in history it was really really bad and then usc it didn't start off as bad this year but by the end of the year um it's just absolutely horrible. Like, just I'm going to go through some of the stuff, but like the explosive play rate. I mean, the fact that you completed eight passes and average was 30 yards. They were 111th in points per drive allowed. Mm, bad. That's really bad. Uh, they were, uh, let's see, yards per play. They were 122nd in yards per play allowed. Yeah. That's not good, right? I, I got to imagine that's among the worst ever for USC. It would have to be. I would, last year, they were better. Last too. year, they were better in yards per play allowed. Oh, now, okay. these are not opponent adjusted, but uh, they were better in yards per play. Okay. Um, yeah. Boy, howdy. Nice. Okay. Um, all right. You want to do the next one? Oh, is this me? Uh, I think I just did that one. It's okay. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, you did. Oh, I can, oh, I can no, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're beautiful. You're great. I'm like I was like someone was spamming the comments, so I was trying to like clean that up. All right, this is from Brian. Finishing games, Ryan and Dave. I had a thought watching USC meltdown against Tulane. In the second half, USC was extremely efficient on offense, just like Tulane. They scored two touchdowns on drives of five plays, ninety-eight yards in two minutes and thirty-eight seconds, and seven plays, forty-seven yards in three minutes and thirty-one seconds. It was clear Tulane's secondary was gassed and couldn't cover the wideouts, so they decided. SE then decided to kill some clock on their uh, last scoring drive, 11 plays, 46 yards, but taking almost six and a half minutes. My question is, why would you ever slow down when dominating a defense? Why don't more coaches take a page out of Oregon Chip Kelly's book and just say they can't stop us, we aren't slowing down, and we will try and score 70? If USC doesn't slow down and keeps playing aggressive, I don't see the way of stopping them, and even with their ferocious defense, they probably win going away. Curious what you guys think on this topic, as I know it happens multiple times a year where teams get conservative, try to kill off clock, and inevitably end up killing their own rhythm. Go Beavs, love the pod, and thanks, Ryan, for all your prep work, and Dave for showing up to tape. They were herocious. Um, That opening drive, they weren't, They it was a 17-play, nine-minute and two-second drive. Like, 
they weren't slowing down. They just weren't like Tulane was playing tough and they would they had to work for their touchdown drives. It wasn't like they were they had some fast ones, but they had some the, the first drive of the game was very slow. So I, I wouldn't say that they slowed it down. I don't think they super slowed it down, but they were eating up a ton of the play clock on the final drive. The thing I would say is, to Brian's point, um, it's sort of like a, a really good offensive team in basketball. You want to increase the number of possessions. You want to have as many as you can, especially when your defense is shitty, because you're, you're better your, on defense offense, is, your defense is only going to work by luck. Like It's only going to be a random turnover or big sack on a, you know, on a second down or something that just puts them so far behind that they can't, you know, take advantage of your horrible secondary. Yeah. But you've got you've got to take advantage of luck on defense. Put your offense on the field as much as you want because a big problem at the end of that game is that they didn't have enough time at the end of the game to go down and score. Um where they, that happened to them twice. They <laughs> score a little bit kick, quick, quicker on the field goal than all those end game things. They might have a minute to go at the end and a minute to go with Caleb Williams. You feel pretty good about your chances of at least getting a field goal. Yeah. So uh, I would say uh, strategically, and this is where I think um, they could take a note from Landanning. He understood that his defense wasn't good, and so he, you know, did his very, very, very best at all times to maximize offensive possessions. Which got to be hard for him being a defensive guy. Yeah, but it's but just. It. But like this is the thing where Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley strikes me as he's got a great offensive scheme. He's a great play caller, the whole thing. But he's got a little bit of dumb football guy thing going on where he's like, well, we'll put it on our defense and our defense will figure it out or whatever. And it's just like, no, it fucking won't because it's bad. Wow, this USC's defense is making me curse like Sanford. You're really. Um, but uh, they. It's like if we're playing like we're playing two on two basketball and you're like way better than me. And you're like, no, let's get Ryan some shots. Like, no, Dave, you take the yeah, ball. Yeah, no. Like, yeah. It's like, Oh no, hey, no, like, Hey, shoot that three. Right. I'm just clanking stuff yeah. up. You're like, like no, like, what are you like, doing? Trying to, to win. Why are you trying to rest your defense? No, yeah. no, it doesn't matter if they're well rested. It doesn't matter if they have a year off. <laughs> they're still going to suck. You've got Alex Grinch as your defensive coordinator. Just, just continue doing your thing offensively. Yeah. Uh, we got one more comment, I think. And then we'll, Trunks, does U.S. become the automatic favorite if they hire Jim Leonard? So that's the uh, former Wisconsin defensive coordinator um, who was up for the Wisconsin job, and they end up hiring uh, Luke Fickle. So I don't know where I haven't seen where he is, but I think they also need. I mean, they need to. Um, there's a few talent deficiencies, I think, for USC defensively yeah. too. I don't think it's just scheme. Um, so, but like Ohio State went out and hired Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator. And they got a lot better on defense. Like I think you can, you, you can, can have quick yeah. defensive turnarounds. Yeah, uh, there's no reason with the talent they have that they should be as bad as they are. Yeah, three All Americans. Yeah, I mean it's like, it's absolutely nuts. Um, so they should be better than they are right now. Um, yeah. I think with a different scheme, but I also think there's something going on with that because Lincoln Riley has always had a defense like that. Like it's always yeah, it's been, been like that. So is there something with how he? marries his offense to the defense that causes this issue like is it that they're constantly going up against this offense and so when they go against different schemes like are they bad at creating a scout team environment are they bad at certain things because they're running something so unique you know that sort of stuff yeah. and um jim Knowles, by the way that's the defense corner trunks pointed out in the right, chat. right. Yeah. um so we'll see uh but yeah i think they need to upgrade at defensive coordinator i think ucla needs to upgrade at defensive coordinator and we will see if either uh program actually ends up doing it all right well hey fun one um we got we got out of here like 
more on time for you. We crushed it. I think we did. We murdered the game. Um, yeah, so bye-bye. Uh Pac-12 2022 football season. Uh, yeah. It's hard to believe. We had but a good run. I think so. I think, I think it was fun. Like, I love that we added the video element. Yeah. Not that people want to see us, which is dope, no. but it's live. It's live. It's, it's a simulcast. Simulcast of the... It's not. It's not. <laughs> um, thanks to... Uh, where's Jockey? Wait, the wrong one. Thanks, Jockey. It's a simulacrum of a simulcast. A simulacrum of a simulcast. Okay, sure. I like sure. that. I'll just say simulcast. But the, uh, yeah, Jockey was great to us over this. Uh, thanks to my bookie, fun year. I got. I bought some more Jockey stuff. I wear. I'm wearing all that. Like uh, the hoodie, super comfortable. I have nothing but Jockey underwear. I wear uh, nothing. The underwear is all Jockey. Yeah. The the pants. I got these pants that I didn't even realize they were um, like. I wear some of the for hiking that they zip off like their pants because if you go in the morning it's cold can zip off the legs uh-huh. and it's shorts later. I yeah. got. I didn't even realize I bought those pants. I'm like, oh, they're cool. And I didn't know that they were like that. So uh, some cool jockey stuff. Yep. Yeah. And it's been fun. It's been fun to do these with you. It's been fun. We've and enjoyed it. all of the uh, 247 publishers, thanks for their help for the whole year. I could, We're doing our year in review, even though it's the new year. Are we doing a year in review? No, I'm just like it's a You didn't a prepare wrap. me for this. It's a, it's a wrap. I just, we're just wrapping up Well, thank up you to, to you, the listener. Uh, you, the viewer, and I am speaking singular, singularly uh, because there's just one of you. I'm amazed that that guy created online. 71 accounts to watch this right now. Um, but we appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for for doing that, and uh, we'll keep we'll keep them going during the off season. I know it'll be a little different, um, and yeah, it should be a lot of fun. But for David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. We are the podcast of champions. Always talking all things Pac-12 football. Hope you enjoy the show, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Podcast of Vegas Bowl Champions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.